Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell. I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs and I've been in business since 1994. That's 28 years. This week I've been talking about some of the things that might keep people from exercising, how to stay motivated and all that. So I've been talking about concurrent training, which means combining two modes of training not like triathlon where you're doing swim, bike, run, but two completely different types of training like strength training and endurance training or cardiorespiratory training and how they mix together. That's what concurrent training really is. And sometimes people don't do one because they think that uh, it'll impact the other and then they can't be the best at the other and whatnot. I'm gonna get into all that. Don't wanna like get confusing here. But I'm just tying it into why this is basically a lot of this is all about our genetics and things and why we should, I know I shouldn't should all over you, but why we should do things and not worry about other things. All right, so that's what today's topic is about, concurrent training. But first I want to thank our sponsors, Jonathan and Lynn Gilden at the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. They currently have over 275 star reviews on Zillow and now is still the perfect time to put your house on the market if you're looking to downsize or upsize. Whatever, they can help you do it. I personally vouch for them. Jonathan and Lynn are good folks and they're hustlers. If you need any help with your real estate, please give them a shout at 386-451-2412 or thegildengroup.com. All right, concurrent training. Again, that's combining two different modes of training in your regular schedule and they're typically uh, in, in a way opposite of each other so one will have one effect that you might worry about causing a detrimental effect and vice versa again so it's not like swim bike run where we simply call that cross training because they're really aerobic means you know, they're all, all three of those are aerobic means. They're just switching up how you're doing it. Concurrent training is there's going to be adaptations that could possibly impact the other side of the equation. For example, can strength training actually hurt your cardio or your endurance training? And potentially can endurance training impact your strength? So, you know, I'll just wrap this up and say yes. And I'll see you next time. Just kidding. Um, the short answer is maybe, and I want to talk about that a little bit, and if they're going to be used, how to use them most appropriately. So first, let's learn about the adaptations of both. So adaptations stands for semi-permanent change. That's what we want, an adaptation. So get your notebooks out. An adaptation is a semi-permanent change. You might see people go to the gym and they have no clue about why they're going to the gym. Maybe they just want to burn off energy. Maybe they just want to burn off steam. Maybe they just want to burn off calories. Maybe they're bored. None of those reasons are bad, by the way. None of those reasons are bad. You know, it, it's fine. I mean, gosh, I'd rather see that than people not going to the gym. So that's fine. But um, oftentimes, we don't understand if we have very specific goals, what the adaptations are and what we might be looking for. So let's talk about that. So let's start with strength training. The adaptations that are possible is one, hypertrophy. 
Hypertrophy means individual muscle cell enlargement. So the individual muscle fiber gets bigger when you strength train, when you resistance train. That's what you want, that's what happens, so that's one. The second is strength in itself. You get stronger when you strength train. That it doesn't sound like an oxymoron, you know? Third is potentially muscular endurance. So that's not the same as cardiorespiratory endurance. Um, muscular endurance has to do with the individual muscles. Do they get more endurance? So that is really um, a product of like being able to do more and more. It's still anaerobic, by the way. That's why it's a different form of endurance than cardiorespiratory endurance. So not to get off the beaten path here, but sometimes I'll hear people say, well, I'm gonna, I want to be a better runner, so I'm going to do more of my endurance work when I strength train. In other words, lighter loads and higher reps. Well, no, they're not really the same. They're not the same at all. So essentially what could happen is you're actually causing those muscles to get too tired and fatigued. You're wearing them down. And so when you do go to do your running, you don't really have a lot of juice left. In other words, that can cause far more recovery issues than if you went a little bit heavier and did less reps. So it's not the same thing. It's like, let's say uh, an example of muscular endurance necessary would be that uh, you are a cadet in the military and you need to improve your amount of push-ups or pull-ups. So training for strength would be okay, but not very specific. Instead, you would want to see where you're at on push-ups and then do more and more and more. That would be improving your endurance. So that's an example of muscular endurance, all right? Then the fourth adaptation for strength training is power. And power is force times distance divided by time. So in other words, it's simply moving a load quickly. Very appropriate for certain sports like football, um, basketball as in a vertical jump. That's actually power because you're jumping off the ground. The, 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 the force is actually coming off the ground. The distance is how far you're jumping and the load is your body weight. So you can be able to jump really high, but if you can't do that quickly, you're not going to be a very good basketball player because then you're going to get out-rebounded because you have to be able to jump up quick and then jump again quick. That's power. A lot of times you see people in the gym doing power, and it's kind of silly because they're not really power athletes. They're thinking they're getting stronger but they're really not. If you can move a load very fastly, chances are the load isn't heavy enough to get stronger. So um, power isn't meant to be overly heavy. So those are the four adaptations, hypertrophy, strength, endurance, and power. All right, so then if you're training for cardiorespiratory, like endurance stuff, like cardiorespiratory endurance stuff, like running, swimming, biking, crew, any of those, so that's aerobic activity. Now you want adaptations in the aerobic realm, and it's different. It's different. So you have metabolic adaptations, and again, this could get really technical, which I don't want to do because then people will, you know, tune out and then the information doesn't get used very well. So there's metabolic adaptations that can occur, which means that you're actually making the muscles and the metabolic system more aerobic through training. 
So what that means is that you're able to withstand a higher level of anaerobic metabolism or lactate, and that means that you're able to sustain your pace longer. So in other words, how do you stay as aerobic as possible? That's a metabolic adaptation. That means that basically what's happening is you're developing more capillaries into the muscle. The mitochondria in the individual muscle cell is actually hypertrophy. It's getting bigger so it can withstand more oxygen. And your body also develops more buffers which helps you buffer the lactic acid. So therefore you're adapting to more high intensity your body is actually becoming more aerobic so it takes longer to get there that is what we call a metabolic adaptation in the cardiorespiratory world and it's very important so that's one adaptation another is literally to the cardiac system itself so when you do aerobic activity the heart itself actually goes through some adaptations you get a level of left ventricular hypertrophy, a level of it, meaning the left ventricle of the heart gets slightly bigger, not in a bad way, not in a cardiomyopic way, which can be a little bit detrimental. Um, you have to look at the root cause of that, is that high blood pressure. So those are different things. Um, but left ventricular hypertrophy isn't a bad thing. And it's very subtle. It's not like the heart doubles in size. Light, slight changes to the left ventricle, which means your heart can pump more blood per beat. And we call that stroke volume. Now, more blood per minute is called cardiac output. Both of those happen when we train our cardiorespiratory system and the heart actually goes through some hypertrophy. So adaptations occur. That's a good thing. That's a, that's a very, very good thing. You'll notice that when you start doing aerobic activity and you maybe could care less about your lactate threshold and getting more aerobic versus anaerobic and all that, you know, maybe you don't care and that's fine. But when you start noticing that you're exercising for a while and now your resting heart rate is lower at rest and it also takes you longer to get your heart rate up and your heart rate stays lower at a given intensity, which we call submaximal. Um, threshold. So those are all great things. That means you're getting more fit. That means your heart's getting healthier. That's a great thing. So you'll notice it then. Well, that's an adaptation. That just doesn't happen overnight like a response. Your body is adapting to it. And how does it adapt to it from specificity, from actually doing it? To get the aerobic benefits, you need to be aerobic. Another adaptation is, and this kind of goes along with the metabolic adaptation, is your body gets better at burning fat. So you become more of a fat burner, so you're more aerobic, so your body gets better at that. And that happens again through the metabolic adaptation of the mitochondria actually increasing in size. Another adaptation that happens from cardiorespiratory exercises, you get lower resting blood pressure. That's a good thing. That's a very, very good thing. Now, that's the major adaptations of the cardiorespiratory. All right, so now, now, again, I don't want to get into the weeds here, but there is such a thing as fast twitch, slow twitch, and intermediate muscle fibers. Now, those are very, very, very genetic. You are born with what you have. Those do not change. So if you're born with more slow twitch muscle fiber, those are more the aerobic fibers, all right? 
And every muscle group's a little bit different, but we all have what we have via percentages, all right? So like if we're 90% slow twitch, 10% fast twitch, there is no doubt if you ever take up running, you're gonna be good. That, that's a good thing. If you have like 75% anaerobic, 25%, when I say anaerobic, fast twitch, if you have 75% fast twitch muscle fibers, 25% slow twitch, most likely you're a sprinter and you're really, really fast if you run. So that's genetic. Now we can develop them, but we can't change them. So the intermediate fibers, and then I'll be done talking techno stuff here. The intermediate fibers, are your type 2a muscle fiber so they're still anaerobic but they're slightly trainable so whichever way you go if you do more cardio they're going to become more aerobic if you do more strength stuff they're going to be more anaerobic so those are your type 2a they're your intermediate and they can go both ways with that depending on your training so that is impacted by your concurrent training plan that is impacted by it okay so with me for example I have done bodybuilding I've done triathlon I think I have a pretty high percentage of type 2a fibers because they've been able to adapt to both ways that's not the only reason but I, I believe that to be true the only way you really know what you're made of is to have muscle biopsies done which is kind of silly the other way is to simply look at your history and determine like what you've been better at you know and what you haven't been as good at you know if you get into a, a 5k and you just don't have a lot of kick at the end and it's not because you're tired most likely you don't have a lot of fast switch muscle fibers you know and, and that's okay it's again you are what you are that's pretty much been the theme of the week you are what you are so now let's get into concurrent training can too much aerobic activity impact your goal to get bigger and stronger at the gym absolutely there's no doubt about that there's no question like if you want to be a uh, you know a serious bodybuilder or whatever then too much aerobic stuff is not going to help you very much a couple reasons again you get into that muscle fiber type scenario where those type 2a's now are a little confused Instead of going more towards the anaerobic side, they are, they're venturing off into the slow side. <clears throat> if you're doing a lot of cardio or they're not changing at all, so that's a problem. The other problem is you're using up a lot of energy to do different types of cardio and now there's not a lot of energy, which there's only so much energy to go around for the anaerobic, such as calories. So that's a problem right there. And then the other problem is more of an opinion and that's focus like where you where you put your mind grows so to say so like if you're not really sure which is again fine really fine then you know you're probably not going to get full impact then the other so so to, the answer to that is very much yes too much cardio will impact your gains in the gym no question that's why a lot of bodybuilders don't do any cardio at all and then up when they get close to show time and they have to strip body fat they use it very carefully they either do very long slow distance cardio so the intensity is super low and they're only burning fat i mean they might be walking at literally three miles an hour and they might do a lot of that because they're not going to you know get remotely close to 
getting into energy supply and demand problems. Um, or they might do like HIIT workouts, but only a couple times a week. But predominantly they diet a lot and they stay away from too much cardio. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Um, and some of them during their bulk season where they're trying to get bigger, don't do any at all. And that would apply to maybe guys who are trying out for the football team and they're trying to get bigger and stronger and they need that mass, the same thing. So they might not be as um, anal about it because they, they wanna be in better shape too, but you may see them shine away from the gym. By the way, I don't advocate that. I think it's better to be all around fit when I was doing bodybuilding and I go through cycles where I do, I don't stop doing cardio personally. It's not worth it to me. Um, I think cardio is great and I wanna be in good shape all the way around and, uh, and, and, and I don't want to like confuse anybody to state that I also understand that you know the differences are negligible, especially as you get a little bit older. So it's not like, you know, me not doing cardio, I'm now going to be 20 more pounds muscular. I mean, that's silly. That's not going to happen. So I understand that. Um, but I also understand the young guys thinking that it will. And, you know, it just, um, you know, we are what we are again, so to say. But I understand when you get to the elite level, you want to be very careful about it. And that's what this is too. So if you're an elite bodybuilder and you want to get bigger, the exercise physiology, the method to the madness says yes, too much cardio will be detrimental to your training plan. Now what about the, the other side? All right, How does strength training affect endurance training? Well, studies show it doesn't impact it nearly as much as endurance training impacts strength training. In matter of fact, a lot of studies say it actually improves it because running economy or cycling economy or swimming economy which in our world we call economy of motion is greatly improved when you work certain different exercises and improve the speed and turnover of different things i keep saying different things because there's three different things so if you can improve your turnover in running for example that improves your running economy and that can be done with doing different strength drills all right, same with cycling, same with swimming. But the biggest way it improves it is injury prevention. So two things happen. You get overuse injuries potentially in strength, in uh, cardiorespiratory endurance training like triathlon. And you know, that, that's too much too soon. And that's not really fixed by strength training. If anything, you can make that a little worse if you're continuing to do the same motions all the time like for example you're you're running a lot and you're doing a lot of lunges and things well that's probably not going to prevent injury if anything it could potentially increase it because it's sort of the same motion and you're increasing the motion once again that's only to the to the people who are doing too much too soon or have overtraining syndrome on a regular basis and a lot of them do um, if it's not and your endurance plan is kept pretty much under control and in check, then adding lunges or something won't, all right? But the other way is not the overtraining way. That's how they can get hurt. The other way is simply by protecting the joints and working on muscle imbalances. So whenever you do, say, a lot of one thing, for example, you run a lot, 
Well, you're using your gastrocs, your soleus muscles. Those are the anterior, posterior muscles on your shins in the back, right? You know where your calves are. You're using a lot of hamstrings when you run through the motion. In other words, when your leg is swinging through, all right, that's your hip flexors and your hamstrings are extending. Then you land on your foot, and that's partly calf as you get ready to push off. And it's partly quad because you're landing in the eccentric. Well, what ends up happening is your glutes and your glute medius get neglected a lot. So they don't get trained. And by doing that, you can get some, um, you can get some overuse injuries because one side's so dominant and then the other side is so weak. So you can prevent those injuries potentially by doing certain exercises that work the opposing muscle groups that you're always working. For example, in the pool, most of the pull through is going to be with your lats and your triceps, your upper back and your triceps. The opposers to those is your chest, shoulders, and biceps. So it would make sense that you would work those muscles in the gym to keep everything balanced out. Plus you wanna look good, right? I mean, you know, you wanna look good. I'm, this is more like what is being geared towards the elites. Meaning like if you're gonna be so particular about training, then we have to understand why these scientific rules get involved. And then I'll wrap all this up by saying, giving you my opinion on that. Now, does too much bulk and all that help an endurance athlete? Well, absolutely not. I mean, but again, we have to understand that we are what we are. So if you are doing a lot of endurance training and then you go to the gym and you start working out, you've never been an overly muscular guy, chances are you're not going to bulk up. So we have to look at it realistically. Like if you had the ability the testosterone available and the body type and you worked out like with heavy weights for a lot of reps you know in a hypertrophy style or size style of working out yeah you could potentially bulk up and then be slower when you go run or or potentially sink more when you swim or it doesn't affect the bike as much but those things could happen but most likely that's not the case I've seen X professional football players who were pretty bulky, not huge linemen guys, but linebackers and all that, get out of the, when they retire from sport, their sport of football, and they start doing triathlons, and they're really, really competitive. And they lost some of that bulk, not necessarily because they, um, you know, stopped working out or whatever, it's because they were doing more endurance stuff, their lifestyle changed, they're still working out, they just weren't as big and bulky, but they're still muscular types, but not overly muscular. And it, again, nothing changed except maybe the focus and not doing the cardio, and they were really, really competitive. One of them became one of the best Clydesdale triathletes in the country for a while. So I think that that concern gets a little bit overblown. Again, you are what you are with that. All right, so here's what the research says on how to do concurrent training if you're going to do both, all right? If your goal is to get big and strong, the rule of thumb is to do aerobic training. Again, this isn't for overall health, this is so you can um, get bigger and stronger. Not at all or minimally. And if you're gonna do it, do shorter hit style workouts, but maybe a couple per week. 
and do it after strength training. So in other words, not before. The belief, well, no, the science says that what we do first is going to get the most attention. So if we're more interested in getting bigger and stronger, then we should do our weight workouts first, followed by some HIIT workouts. Now, you're leaving yourself open for maybe a little potential injury with that because let's say you work your legs really hard and then you do sprints. Now you're doing sprints on tired muscles. So there's all these things to consider. If your goal is more to increase your aerobic capacity, that is now the priority and you want to strength train, the rule of thumb is continue doing your endurance training. Again, do it first, followed by your strength training and pick exercises that are going to balance out what you're not doing and help you prevent injury. And that's really like kind of a perfect plan because you do work a lot of muscles when you bike. You work a lot of glutes and I'm sorry, well you do work some glutes, but you work hamstrings, you work quads predominantly in your gastrocs and your calves. So work your glutes a little bit more, right? And then your complete upper body in the case of a cyclist because you want a nice balanced physique. Let's say you swim, so you're working your, your pecs and your triceps. I'm sorry, why do I keep saying that? Your lats and your triceps predominantly. So, you know, work your pecs, your biceps, your shoulders, and your lower body if you swim. Um, if you're running, you're using a lot of hamstring, you're using quads, you're using your gastroc. So, work your glutes a little more, work your core, work your upper body. If you're doing triathlons, it doesn't leave a lot of muscles left, but you should train your pecs, that's typically not used in any of them. Train your biceps, that's not used in any of them. Train your deltoids, not used a lot in any of them. Train your core, absolutely, not used a lot. Train your anterior tibialis, that's not used much at all. Really, you should be training everything in that case. Just keep in mind that you're not gonna get big. You, you, you will get stronger, and that's good. And that you're gonna have your overall body looking good and you're gonna be nice and healthy. Um, and just don't overdo it because you're doing so much of the other so the fear isn't that you're going to overdo it and like um, you know get too big or strong you're going to overdo it and get too fatigued and get overtrained so everything needs to be done in balance so in short yes they can both be done number one genetics takes over really what type you're going to be and you probably already know number two it's best to be overall fit and healthy. So in other words, maybe don't worry about a little bit of your strength and size gains so much at the expense of not being aerobically fit and feeling good. Number three, if, if it really is important to you, then know that one needs to be the priority and the other one needs to play second fiddle, if that's the case, just know that. All right, hope this sums it up. I hope I didn't create more questions than answers. Um, you know, there absolutely is a method to the madness and hope I summarized it pretty well for you on this particular study. If not, hit me up, I'm happy to answer. Until next time, be max fit and be max well.